You're about to hear my conversation with James Morrison. He manages the Ivory Canadian Fund. We talk all about how he approaches investing, what he thinks of Canada, and why investors and clients that invest with him are top of mind as they go through the process. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to The Investment, a podcast from McKenzie Investments. My name is Matthew Schnur and I'm delighted to be here with James Morrison. James leads the Ivy Canadian strategy. James, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here. Love what I do and uh, always happy to chat about it. Great. Well, let's dive right into that. Uh, And in fact, maybe the first question is reminding us of what effectively you do. How do you think about uh, investing client capital? Well, there's a lot to unpack there, uh, but, you know, maybe a good place to start is with a little bit of history. Uh, You know, over the last three decades, Ivy has established itself as one of the most battle-tested defensive strategies in the country. Uh, It's significantly outperformed in the tech wreck, the global financial crisis, the European debt crisis, the pandemic, and and pretty much every meaningful market drawdown uh, along the way. And so when people think about Ivy, they tend to think about downside protection. Downside protection is, is a really important characteristic of our style, but our objective is to help our clients achieve their long term financial goals. And so Obviously, we have to grow the capital that is entrusted to us, but it's also really important that our clients stay the course so they can realize the returns uh, of our fund. And so that's really where the importance of downside protection kicks in, because investing is is very emotional. And if we're in the middle of a market drawdown, that's most often when you see people start to panic. Sure. So if we can sort of dampen that impact and provide our clients with a smoother path, to the returns that they need, then we can help keep them invested so they can realize the returns of our fund. And so, you know, when I think about the value proposition that we're, we're, we're offering, I don't really like to talk about alpha or low volatility, uh, you know, in its most simplest form, what we're offering Canadians is the ability to, to sleep at night and to plan for their futures with confidence. It's a great response, James. I'm, I'm reminded, I think it's an annual um, article that's, that maybe it's Barron's that does this, but it shows you the investor return and then the product return. And inevitably, that investor return always significantly below what the products actually return because of uh, the human behavior. So interesting that you think of that directly as you're putting together the the style and, and how, you, um, how you think about investing client capital. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned was long-term financial goals. Uh, tell me about the importance of long-term to you and your style? Yeah, so being patient and thinking long-term are really critical ingredients into our process, uh, which aligns with what we're trying to do in terms of helping our clients achieve long-term financial success. Um, So we're not trying to win day in and day out. Um, I'm a runner, so I like to think about investing like it's a marathon. And when you're running a marathon, the objective is, is clear. Get to the finish as fast as you can. And you don't get extra points for being the first person to the 5K mark. In fact, if you run flat out to the 5K mark, you're probably going to compromise your ability to finish the race. And so what we're trying to do is run at a steady pace, 
that we think is going to get our clients to the finish line in good time. And when we look back historically at our results, if we look at short intervals, we tend to run at a faster pace as often as we run at a slower pace. But the further we get into the race and the closer we get to the finish line, the better the chances are that we're going to be ahead. And the reason why we think that that long-term investing works is that it really allows us to focus on what really matters. You know, we can spend uh, an incredible amount of mental energy trying to make short-term predictions with a fairly low hit rate. But the reality is, is that, you know, markets are really sentiment-driven in the short term. Right. But longer term, you're dealing with fundamentals. And so if we can put ourselves in a position where we have confidence in the long-term prospects of a business and we're not worried about underperforming in the short term, then we can capitalize on opportunities that others may or may not be willing to, to try to do. Great context. Um, I'm curious, as I think about the long-term nature of investing uh, in, in your style particularly, why do you think, in, in maybe I'll give more context here, most people managing capital, are, or many of them will state that they're uh, after long-term results. Um, however, it appears that those um, that are able to deliver consistent long-term results uh, often sort of underperform in the short term, which means that there's some sort of inefficiency in the longer term uh, portion of capital markets. Any intuition on why that is? Well, I think it has a lot to do with incentives and alignment. Oftentimes, the industry is compensated for one and three-year performance, so I think you can expect people to focus on one and three-year performance. Got it. Um, you know, for us, uh, we have uh, incentives that in, that incent us to think longer term, but I think it's more of an innate thing that is across our team where we just, we all believe in doing it this way. And we have a, a good group on our team that, that kind of self-reinforces that. So when we get into periods where we're underperforming in a short period of time, there's always somebody to pat you on the back and say, it's fine. Let's just keep going. Great. And when you think about the investing in the businesses that you do, obviously you're looking for them to have a, a long-term uh, focus as well. Uh, how important is culture uh, in understanding that corporate culture uh, when you're looking at investing in businesses? Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of time uh, trying to assess the, the corporate cultures of the businesses that we're investing in. Uh, you know, if I take a step back, when we're investing, we're, we're really investing in a concentrated portfolio of high quality businesses and we're taking a long-term view. And by, by limiting the number of companies that we invest in, the idea is that we get to know them really well. By investing in high quality businesses, that allows us to stay the course when we run into inevitable setbacks and then taking a long-term view allows us to look through the noise. And all three of those things are really geared towards helping us invest with more conviction. So, so why does culture matter? Uh, you know, when we're looking at quality, um, the metrics that that we and, and and almost everyone else look at can do a great job of telling you whether a business is is high quality today. But what we're really after is whether that quality is sustainable into the future. And often we find that the answer lies in culture. So what we're looking for are businesses that think long term have a really clear understanding of what their edge is and are constantly reinvesting in that edge, even if it means that it's going to cost them some short-term performance. So a really good example recently that came up 
was uh, one of our holdings, Waste Connections, which is a, a North American waste management business. Um, they have consistently provided industry-leading metrics. And so, you know, we were pretty surprised when they decided to replace their longstanding CEO with the current chairman and, and former CEO. What we found in subsequent discussions with the incoming CEO, Ron, was that they had um, a stubbornly high employee turnover mm. and they were really struggling to get it down. And uh, turnover is bad for this business because what it leads to is uh, higher safety incidences. I see. Um, and then that trickles through the entire business in terms of productivity and cash flow generation um, and returns. Uh, this wasn't immediately obvious from the outside looking in, um, but the board felt that the chairman was better equipped with the skill set to to address that particular challenge. And so it was disruptive to the business to to come in and make that change. But you know, we think it was absolutely the right call. And I think what that really highlights uh, is that you know we're we're investors looking from the outside in. And we can't always see everything, uh, but if you find a business with a really strong corporate culture, they're going to be looking out and they're going to start to see things surfacing before they become bigger issues and they're going to deal with them. So they can avoid problems from ever really hitting uh, the, the tape. And so, you know, when we find a company with good corporate culture, that really gives us a greater degree of confidence so we can invest more capital behind that business. Makes a lot of sense, um, and great example on on where culture is so important. I'm curious the, the comments that you've made, uh, and just knowing the way that you invest, uh, you you often do sort of a concentrated portfolio. You spend a lot of time with the companies, and I introduced you as the manager of Ivy uh, Canadian in Canada. I think is notoriously a thin market, uh, full of uh, banks and oil and gas. At least that's what the perception is. So, uh, how does your how does your style apply to Canada? And and walk me through the thought process there. Yeah, so uh, Ivy Canadian and Ivy Canadian Balanced are, are firstly global funds with a focus in Canada. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to take the best of what Canada has to offer and then complement that with select world-class businesses outside of Canada, often in, in sectors that are underrepresented here. So think about technology and, and healthcare as obvious um, hunting grounds there. Um, but I think Canada is a great hunting ground for Ivy. And what we find is there's a lot of high quality businesses that benefit from high market share and, and really favorable industry structures. One of the things that I like about investing in Canada is that we're able to, to really leverage privileged access to management teams. Hmm. And that can help really reinforce even more the confidence that we have in the businesses that we're investing in. Uh, another good example of that from last year was Restaurant Brands, uh, which was, I would say, a low weight in, in our fund. And Restaurant Brands owns the owns Tim Hortons, Burger King, uh, Popeye's Chicken, and Firehouse Subs. Uh, and we think it has an exceptional international growth opportunity. But they were having some some operational challenges with their Burger King business in the United States, which was weighing on the stock. And so, you know, we thought there might be an opportunity there. And so, you know, we requested uh, meetings with, with the management teams. Uh, we met with the entire Burger King leadership team. Uh, then we flew out to Europe. We met with the entire international team, um, as well as the chairman and the CEO. And collectively, those meetings really helped us 
um, build confidence in, in the plan, um, the growth opportunity, uh, as well as their ability to execute. And so when we find you know, businesses that, that we have a lot of confidence and we can make it a big weight. And so today, uh, Restaurant Brands is one of our largest holdings. Hmm. Uh, interesting. As you look forward within Canada, um, there's a, I mean, clearly we've been through a very unusual environment, uh, starting with COVID uh, and the sharp sell-off in COVID and then the equally sharp upswing. And then we, it feels like we've lived through three market cycles in a, in, uh, a matter of uh, four years or so. <laughs> um, one of the things that is concerning now, obviously, uh, is uh, inflation seems like it's coming down. Uh, the interest rate sensitivity of Canadians and where our rates are, uh, people, or some people at least, are calling for a recession, although, of course, that's yet to be determined. Um, what's your view on sort of recessions in Canada, how your fund should perform, or how do you think about that when you're constructing your portfolio? So when we're investing we don't position our funds to for any particular macroeconomic outlook um, what we try to do is we build a portfolio of high quality businesses that we think can adapt to unforeseen um, or challenging uh, market environments and and oftentimes these high quality businesses can actually capitalize on them and then we try to make sure that each business has you know is diversified sufficiently across one business versus another, such that these challenges don't all hit at the same time. Um, so we believe that we will perform quite well in a recession, in area environment uh, as a result of that. But, you know, whether or not one happens is is sort of, uh, you know, not something we try to spend a whole heck of a lot of time um, thinking about. You know, there there are concerns uh, about a recession in Canada, and, and I think that that kind of provide opportunities for us though because we generally well when we're when we're thinking about returns we take a through cycle approach which right. means that we're incorporating the impact of a recession without trying to predict whether the timing will fall within a certain uh, period so if we can make a return on a business today um, with the impact of a recession already incorporated then we're happy to do that thinking about uh, last year uh, we were looking at Aritzia. Uh, and Aritzia is a is a high quality apparel retailer uh, with a really attractive runway for growth in the United States, but 50% of its business is in Canada. And so people were worried about a recession and that was weighing on the stock. Uh, but if we were to look at uh, an investment from that perspective, from that current point in time and take a five-year view, we thought there was an exceptional return to be had, uh, recession or no recession. Right. Uh, if a recession were to happen tomorrow, uh, then you know we think that there's good margin of safety built into the valuation. But if it goes down, we'd be happy to add to it. Great example um, of how you react to recessions while trying uh, not to specifically predict them or, or make your investment decisions contingent, contingent mm -hmm. on them. Very hard. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> to predict timings of recession. No, no doubt. As we sort of get to the end of this conversation, is there anything you'd like to leave listeners with? There's really two things uh, that we'd like to leave people with. The first thing is that this is a really competitive business, and it tends to gear us towards thinking about outperforming our peers and beating the market. And the danger in that is that you can start to lose sight of the client. And I like to say that we don't actually manage a mutual fund. We manage real people's money. Uh, and it keeps us grounded in, in who we're really 
serving. Uh, the second uh, thing that I would leave you with is that we've had fairly exceptional performance uh, with good absolute returns, but also substantially lower volatility. And you know we can't promise that that's always going to be the case. But what I can say is that that performance was born out of a deeply rooted investment philosophy and a clearly defined and repeatable process. And that gives me a lot of confidence in our ability to continue to help people sleep at night and progress towards their own financial success. Well, James, uh, thanks so much for spending the time with me, walking us through how you think about investing uh, and really highlighting the centrality of investors and clients that choose to allocate their capital to you. So James, uh, thanks again for spending the time. Oh, thank you, Matt. It was my pleasure. content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns.